0: Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature.
1: Now it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Hi guys, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. Thank you for joining us once again and welcome back to the Dead Parent Club podcast.
1: Each week we're going to be talking about what it's like to be members of the Dead Parent Club, chatting to brilliant guests about their grieving journeys and just trying to help you where we can
3: really.
0: We'll also be hearing from people far more qualified than us, like counsellors, solicitors, medical professionals and mindfulness coaches, all on the topic of grief and looking after yourself.
1: So welcome everyone to the Dead Parent Club. And this week,
0: we're joined by another special guest, Giles Paley-Phillips.
1: Very excited about this one. Giles is an author, poet, musician and podcaster uh, who wrote about childhood grief in his book, 152 Days.
0: In this episode, Giles will be sharing his own story about how he lost his parents at a young age.
1: And we're going to be asking him how to support young grievers based on his own experience. Hello. Hi, Giles. Oh, All right, yeah. sorry. I did my excitable like sea lion clap. Like, this is very upbeat.
3: This is very upbeat for a dead parents club. <laughs> it
1: is, isn't it? We always say that. It's, it's very cheery given the nature of the topic that we're discussing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, as somebody who is uh, part of the dead parent club, you'll know that humour is born out of uh, loss, isn't it? So, Absolutely. Um, that's the 100%. route we like to take. Um, Kat, yeah. before we get uh, stuck in talking to Giles, because we've got so much to get through, uh, do you want to let yeah. people know how they can get in touch?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, as always, we would love to hear from you. If you listen to this episode and you resonated with anything, you can contact us by email at hello at deadparentclub.co.uk or you can catch up with us on social. Just search Dead Parent Club Podcast and you'll find us and you can't really miss us anywhere either. <laughs>
1: um, Giles, I think mm. I just we want to make the most of the time that we have you. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of over to you now. For anyone listening to this who's unaware of your story, can you just... Basically, tell us what happened
3: to you. Okay, um, God, yeah. what death do you want to start on? <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> there's a um, been there's the, been a few, there's been a few. Know, I do, guess.
0: Do you know what I like to call uh, people that have lost both of their parents in this club? Your um, your mm. platinum members. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm so pleased
3: at last. Um, you get a really
1: good <laughs> accolade for it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome along, platinum member. <laughs> oh well, this
3: is great. I feel very privileged. Probably best to start with um, the death of my mum. I I was only six when she um, she died. She she contracted leukemia when I was three. I don't really have an awful lot of memories of her, other than these sort of kind of little snippets of time. And I wrote about a lot about it in my book, 152 Days. There are there are moments. Um, there's a kind of nescience about my my thoughts on my mum, I kind of, I guess over the years have created my own narrative about her. I've had to be like a bit of like a, a, an investigative journalist <laughs> and kind of look <laughs> into everything, like go through photographs and talk to certain members, like uh, mainly because f- the, the family's very small anyway. Both my parents were only childs. There's no aunties and uncles. All my grandparents have all passed away now. So I've only really got my brother who's six years older than me. He was a bit more aware. He was 12 when she passed away. So... I can glean a little bit about her from from this, and then I, like I say, I've been investigating it myself and trying to find out a bit of an essence of her. Um, But yeah, she she passed away when I was uh, six years old. She had leukemia. She had a very very tricky form of leukemia to treat, Mm. Um, and obviously treatments back in the eighties. I mean, we're talking about nineteen eighty three when she passed away. So treatments weren't as good then. I think there's a lot more. There's been a lot more advances in treatment. Now, she had two bone marrow transplants and wow. many, many courses of, of, of chemotherapy, which, you know, she was so, she, so, for three years, she was incredibly ill as well. So, mm. like, not really ever a time when she's, she wasn't kind of in and out of hospital or, or dealing with it. But at the same time, she was an incredibly busy person. She was a local counselor in our area. She did a lot of fundraising for leukemia research. So, I think all that kind of stuff was her way of distracting from what was she was going through which must have been horrendous i mean she was going through this horrible disease and she knew quite early doors it was going to be terminal and recently i found an old bit of footage she'd been on like a local news station oh, wow. she was trying to get the government of the tag which would have been the thatcher government boo hiss uh, <laughs> to, uh I'm just, going to put, I'm just going to nail my uh, my leash <laughs> to the wall. Um, Loud and um, clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she uh, so she was sort of fighting the government of the day to try and um, match fund what she was what she was raising for leukemia research because it was again like because it was the early 80s, there was a lot less known about the disease mm. in the, in those years. I think I found this old bit of footage of us and I'm in it. Oh. Um, oh. I shared it on Twitter actually, and what's amazing is that she's talking about living with a with a terminal illness and it was a really amazing thing to watch and witness like her talking about the idea that she was gonna she was gonna go and part of my I guess my the grieving process that I've had in more recent years and being a father now is that it is that feeling that she was going to have to leave us her grief
2: yeah
3: that's the, the thing that's really become a a thing for me is is the grief of for her like she was going to leave her family like she had a 5 year old child a 6 year old child and a 12 year old child and a husband and that that's that's the thing that really sticks with me so much these days is that feeling that she must have had during those times and how incredibly difficult it must have been every day to think that you're going to have to say goodbye
0: a 6 year old do you feel like you grieved as a young child? I talked to a lot of people who have lost a parent as a young child, and they kind of say that they didn't start grieving until they were adults. And at that point, everybody else that was an adult at that time had was kind of on a very different part of their grieving journey. Mm. So there was no, there was no time when they kind of connected and were grieving similarly. So there was a lack of support there.
3: I mean, I I remember the day my dad told me she, she died. It was 17th of December, so I remember I've written about this, I've written about this in in books and I've written about it in articles I I remember coming downstairs seeing like the Christmas tree and then all the, obviously all the presents under the tree and being like just that boundless energy like a six year old Mm -hmm. kid like going to be really excited, it's nearly Christmas and then you walk into the lounge and then my father was there and I could hear in, in the kitchen my, so my paternal grandmother, Sarah Race her name was she was hilarious. she was um the most ab- like not like grandmother's. She was an abysmal cook. <laughs> she was like, just like a burnt like honestly it's just terrible and I could hear her clatter around like I think she broke some like crockery uh, I was <laughs> like oh, what the, you know what the hell is she doing what's what's going on um so she's faffing about making cups of tea for people and i my god I think one of my godparents was there he'd obviously been accompanied my dad um and brought him home from the hospital. But yeah, I just sat down on the sofa. And he just said, you need to, you need, I need to tell you something. And, um, and all he said was, and again, this is something I've talked about with other people as well, that part of that kind of thing, very British thing, maybe, not not being able to sort of explain this kind of situation very well. He just said, she's gone. That's all he said. She's mm-hmm. gone. He didn't say, you know, your mum's died, But blah, 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 It's just, she's gone. I mean, obviously I knew in that moment that she, 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 she died, but, just that kind of—he—he he obviously didn't know how to explain it to a six-year-old. I, I don't suppose I would either, really. Thinking about it, um, so yeah. So there was that really stark moment, which I, you know, which is one of those memories that's always really stuck with me. Um, Do you
1: remember your dad grieving at all, Giles?
3: He was—he was weeping at the time for sure. There was definitely emotion in his face, but he'd started to use alcohol quite. I think before. Before she'd passed away and and that became kind of a staple of his life, so I think he always kind of buried himself away from any of that stuff and um he was a large than life character he was a really he was a he was a funny guy my dad he he was very well known in the local area and he was sort of had a vivacious character but um no i mean from a from my point of view never it was again it was one of those things we didn't it kind of never was talked about. We never really be- had those conversations.
1: Was that the same with your brother, obviously, with him being six years older? Did he assume any kind of role? Did he ever talk to you or was it still stiff upper lip kind of thing? Mm.
3: A little bit. I think a little bit of stiff upper lip, but certainly, yeah. I mean, he 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 had to take on a slightly, you know, obviously he was an older brother, but with, I guess, with my dad being not a particularly great, like moving on, like him, it, with his alcohol problems and stuff, he wasn't particularly great parent, wasn't around very much. So my brother had to take on other responsibilities. I have to say my grandparents were amazing. Like my mum's uh, parents and, and and Sarah race, the, um, the, the mad um, cook lady, um, well, lack of cooking. Um, they, they were amazing and they did rally round and we had amazing, I had an amazing relationship with my maternal grandparents. They were, they were fantastic. And um, particularly my uh, mother's, mum Queenie her name was she was like just amazing she was a rock really to all of us we had like support in other ways but again it was never really talked about
1: Mm. and that was
3: the thing it wasn't talked about we we didn't ever really broach the subject If, if anyone ever kind of brought it up it was kind of sort of brushed away
1: I've read obviously quite a lot of your writing and I've resonated with it a lot it is unbelievable and I genuinely mean that This weird thing where I don't know you and yet I feel like I almost know this child that you were. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, the time when your mum passed and the age that you were and, you know, the fact that it was very much a stiff upper lip kind of attitude towards things. How do you remember feeling as that little boy?
3: I think confusion is probably the biggest word, really do you know what i think sometimes actually also like a slight entitlement in the if i got in trouble mm. for anything you pulled the dead example, parent card i, so the be <laughs> yeah. mm. I can't you think said, you know i remember <laughs> i remember getting um a mate of mine and me stole some stickers for our panini sticker album i can't remember what it, it wasn't football it was um, yes, like transformers um, or something yeah. and he did the stealing but he like brought them to like we collated them together and put them in our books yeah he got caught and then we both got kind of summoned to the news agents (laughs) and and i did i just said oh well yeah but you know me my like my mum died so you got you know maybe it's just a kind of like uh it's just a defense thing i suppose um
0: i would love to say that that was only because you were a child but when my mum died when i was 20 i definitely pulled the dead parent card (laughs) as an adult and i probably still do to this day but yeah do you think because obviously it's such a difficult age to lose a parent do you remember it kind of hitting you when you're like as a teenager or like as an like an early adult I think because you become so much more acutely aware of relationships that people have with their parents and as you get older those relationships become more like friendships than kind of mother son etc it's like do you kind of remember being like shit like I'm gonna have the rest of my life without her?
3: I think it really wasn't until I would say maybe five years ago, six years ago. Wow. Wow. My teenage life was not great. My, mm. my like I say, the, the my father's alcohol problems, we we ended up he lost loads of money. So we ended up sharing a one bedroom flat uh with his mum, wow. the, the the terrible cook. Um oh, yeah, I know, of all of all the grandmothers <laughs> to like end up with. Um Anyway, it was her residential flat. So we weren't really supposed to live there either. So every time the um, the guy that picked up the rent came around, we had to pretend we weren't living there. Um, we were only visiting. So And we lived there for about five, six years. I was sharing a room with my dad um, and my nan slept on the sofa. Um, and she didn't want to share a room with her son, which is understandable. Um, <laughs> I don't think I ever got the chance to process things. Really, ever. And then I I think I had my own struggles in my later teens. I had problems with drink as well, and then I I sort of gave up alcohol. And then I kind of got married and, and, you know, and started different kind of career paths. And I think it wasn't until I started kind of writing about it that that I suddenly started to sort of fathom the whole thing. And that was really fucking hard to deal with. (laughs)
1: obviously before your dad passed giles what was your relationship like with him did it change as you know you know like you say he had problems with alcohol and mm. what kind of relationship was that between you and your father
3: it was a very surface one i think he didn't have a very good relationship with my brother God, I had a shit life. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird when you start to sort of think, oh, I had this happened and this happened and this happened. Oh, and they fell out and they didn't mm. get on. And and then yeah. and you just think, oh, shit, all this stuff happened. Anyway, um, I'm very happy now. Yeah, so he didn't have a very good relationship with my brother. My brother came out as gay when he was sort of age, 17, 18. So my dad didn't, couldn't really cope with that very well. He didn't, mm. he, you know, he had sort of, he was yeah it was sort of homophobic tendencies so he didn't deal with that very well so my brother ended up moving in with um my with my maternal grandmother so they lived together and that was that was a that was great he had you know he had he was able to escape kind of thing there was always a weird relationship with my dad where i kind of like on the surface we we were, we kind of got on we had similar interests he was into like he was into some sport and i was in sport when i was you know that age. i was still in sport but we had some things in common Politically, we didn't have anything in common. We didn't have the same sort of moral outlook, I guess. All the sort of underlying things that kind of pin who you are as a person were very different um, between us. So I would say, yeah, it was very surface. We never talked about anything difficult. That wouldn't have been kind of something we would have done. So, yeah, not a, not a, not a healthy relationship, I wouldn't have said. Again, and that's something I haven't had, I've had to realise later. Um, It wasn't something at the time I really thought about.
1: Did you not talk to anybody? So, you know, I'm thinking of you as a six-year-old boy who loses their Mm mum. Like you say, a lot of other shit happened in your life. Um, And did you literally then, up until sort of, you know, later life, just not speak to anybody about it? Did you keep all of this in?
3: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, apart from, I guess, my wife, you know, she, she lost her dad at 16 as well. He took his own life, so we had that in common as well. So, you know, and I think actually you do meet and find other people who have lost parents. Like obviously this is the premise of your, the club. Of your uh, of the <laughs> club. I have met in my, the town I live in, a lot of my close friends have lost parents. So there's that in common. I think you do kind of gravitate to people who are, obviously you gravitate to like-minded people anyway, but I think mm. often we've had that that thing in common. So it's something I've obviously talked about in later life, but no I mean, no, not really. I think up until I guess, yeah, again, like I say, maybe my mid-twenties at the earliest. But I would no. say like actually dealing with my own kind of thoughts on how much grief has affected me, probably not mm. and not until the last sort of five, six years.
0: Moving on then from that point to the loss of your dad, which was obviously under very different circumstances mm. so how old were you when he died
3: god it was about a week before my 21st birthday wow. and um yeah he i mean he'd always like i say, he'd always had problems lots of health problems due to alcoholism So mm. he was in and out of hospital quite a lot in his 40s he, i think he had he had one heart attack. he might have had two heart attacks actually but yeah lots of problems with alcohol he had diabetes um so like quite an ill person but just sort of cracked on the living that kind of lifestyle and um it caught caught up with him. He was 56 when he passed away. So yeah, I just heard, I was working in a video shop at the time and um my brother just rang me and said, and he just bluntly said, dad's dead. Wow. I was like, Oh, what <laughs> dad's dead. And at this and point, yeah. did you
1: have, a relationship where you saw him quite frequently and, you know was was your dad someone you'd see on a weekly basis
3: yeah i used to see him quite a bit yeah um i wasn't living with him then i'd managed to move out of the the one bedroom deluxe pad that we had <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was still living there with my dad yeah no so i would see him quite regularly he was obviously like he'd be around town with you know we lived, obviously lived in the same town and i would see him and he'd wander to pass the video shot when i was working sometimes um yeah ask you know if you borrow any money that's normally (laughs) normally, Mm. (laughs) regular Mm. things. so yeah we had seen each other quite you know I was in contact with him for sure
1: when your dad actually did pass then was he on his own like what was the situation like how do you feel because obviously you weren't there how do you feel around that
3: it's quite tragic actually I have to say that my dad wasn't a great dad. He was a fun guy that people used to like, but he wasn't a great dad. It was a really tragic end for him. He just... He, he'd gone out one night. He just came back. He apparently... It looked like he'd tried to wake, get up in the night and had just collapsed and, mm-hmm. and, and had died. Um, I think they said it was renal failure in the end, but it was especially... Basically, his, most of his organs had kind of given up. The worst thing was but in some respects a blessing he was very close to his mum they were like inseparable we used to say they were like steptoe and son because they were mm-hmm. this really weird they would argue quite a lot there was quite a, it was quite a like clashy thing and they would swear mm-hmm. each other a lot um she my nan's from she was from Durham she was like really like strong-willed northern woman um from a from a working class mining community very strong-willed but she loved her son she he was, he was her only child they were completely inseparable she followed him everywhere um she'd actually in in the last six months before he passed away had, had developed dementia um so she was actually in the flat with him but she didn't know what was going on so they oh. they they'd gone in to find out and she said oh I, I can't wake him up she was saying i can't wake him up um but in some respects, I, I she didn't realise it was him. I, I don't wish anyone to have dementia. I, it's a horrible, horrible disease. But in, in in that moment for her, actually, I'm quite. I was quite yeah. pleased. And, yeah. Not pleased. That's not the right word. No, thankful. I completely understand. Thank, yeah. Thankful mm. that she so that she didn't realise that she was kind of um, having to cope with the, her son who's mm. dead yeah, in front of her. Yeah. So um, the,
0: the grief. With your dad must have been really difficult to kind of navigate them because obviously you've kind of got those difficult feelings, Mm -hmm. but at the same time he's still your dad. But how did other people react to your dad's passing? Because again, when I've talked to people in the past whose parents have died from addiction, alcoholism, they felt there's kind of a sort of stigma or like bias against like, oh, well, you knew it would happen at some point, or oh, it was going to happen anyway. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like they kind of felt a little mm-hmm. bit less supported than they would if it was something like cancer or something like that.
3: I think my dad was well liked in the town. Like like I say, he mm. was he wasn't a, he wasn't a particularly great dad, but he was well liked. He was a he was a larger-than-life character. People knew him, so there was an outpouring of kind of grief. There was oh. there, which was weird, you know, which was nice in a way, but like obviously weird for us as a family, thinking mm. well actually wasn't that great but you know it's it's good that you you know it's good that he was liked you know i think there was a keep him up appearances kind of thing with him perhaps there was lots of well-wishing um Mm -hmm. but at the same time a lot of people would have known that um he had a problem with alcohol and didn't do Mm -hmm. quite a lot about it so he didn't say much at the time (laughs) yeah but that's 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 human nature sometimes unfortunately
2: all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part, they're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince dot com slash upgrade for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns on your next order. That's quince dot com slash upgrade.
1: There's kind of two strands to this next question, I guess. Obviously, losing your mum so young and then losing your dad still very very young how was your mental health impacted and how did it affect your relationships with people and i don't just mean romantically i mean in general the way you felt about yourself Mm. and the way you felt when you
3: met people probably looking back in hindsight probably did always have probably had a mild form of anxiety i certainly have always had health anxiety um which i know comes from I'm obviously dealing with having more well, my mum, I guess. I mean, I probably had fully blown anxiety and went and sought treatment for anxiety after my dad had passed away for sure. It, it did have quite a profound impact on me um, around that time. And I think it was probably just a, just a big, like, oh big let out of steam for, for years and years of worry. And, you know, like, I mean, just worry about that person on a day-to-day basis because they're not very well or and then like worry about that person because they don't look after themselves and they're going to kill themselves as they keep drinking all the time so there's all that stuff and i think there's just kind of probably came all came flooding out i broke up with a girlfriend around that time as well so there was just all this stuff and i did i do i went and got saw my gp and um yeah and we sorted out some i got some like anxiety management course that i went on and um, that's so good though to,
0: that you yeah. that you were self-aware enough to do that Because I know so many people In those situations Yeah Just think oh I'm just I'm just grieving But there is a line When grief Does become A mental illness And I think it's quite Important to be self aware Of that kind of When it crosses that line
3: Yeah I hadn't ever felt you know, I was getting Obviously having like A sort of physical Like panic attacks And stuff And I think I'd never felt That way before mm-hmm. And I thought this isn't This isn't right Normally mm-hmm. I'm quite a Chilled out kind of You know I'm quite A relaxed <laughs> person So to have that Suddenly kind of rear its head very intensely and violently in you know like with regards to that those physical feelings um yeah I I, I needed to sort of talk to someone about it um
1: and obviously Giles writing is your thing when did that start how did it start and how has it helped you
3: well before writing I was in a band so that was a big help I mean I used to write I mean I wrote songs um, A song called Carpi, Which you can You can listen to On Spotify And Ooh. iTunes It's all up there um, With my old band We've re-released The stuff recently um, Which is was. It's about that That morning Going de- about the, the, I think the lyrics are boundsdale um, downstairs These people talking um, And then you go You know I talk about me Going into the lounge And seeing oh. my dad And me, writing music And creativity Has always been A great outlet for me with regards to all my kind of angst and um, Mm. feelings and things. And then subsequently starting to get into writing. I mean, I I wrote for children's books was my first thing I sort of started doing when I found out my wife was pregnant with our, our youngest. um, So our eldest now. Um, And uh, yeah. And wanting to write stories that I could, you know, could read to him at bedtimes and things that that's how I got into the writing really. Um, But I always knew that I'd probably at some point address this, these subjects or this subject either through a a children's story or through through an adult story, an adult book. I sort of feel like I was almost destined to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously I've obviously gone on to do that. So yeah. So,
0: do, Do you feel like it was basically coincided very much so with your first child being born, you kind of approaching your grief? basically a bit more and kind of letting it into your life a bit more
3: well I think it's such a profound thing when you come become a parent uh Mm. this little you know because obviously I'm becoming a parent so I'm I'm stepping into those shoes I guess and knowing what that's like and like I said to you earlier on I alluded to that kind of loss of that I felt that my mum had for losing us not just us losing her but her losing us and her grief, that started to really resonate with me. And as the children got older, they start asking, oh, what happened to grandma? What happened to granddad? What happened to, you know, my my wife's dad? Um, and we've always tried to be super honest with them. It's always been something that's been really important to us, to be honest with them, say exactly kind of what happened to them. Yeah. That's always been something that has been foremost in our minds. When we're, I don't think it's even... We didn't even have a discussion about it, Michelle and I. We just... We just were honest with them. I think that's really, really important. Grief isn't something we talk about enough. Um, it's great that you guys are doing this podcast because, you know, it's really yeah. important. Part of the healing process is talking about it, yeah. communicating how you're feeling and hearing from other people. And I think that's always been something we've tried to do with the children because, you know, there's no point in glossing it up. You know, it's not it's not something you can gloss out.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, death ain't glamorous, is it? No. Giles, just before we move on, because I think because you've had a double whammy of an experience. Platinum.
3: platinum. I think
1: you, <laughs> you know a Platinum member, I think you're well placed to sort of talk to us about, you know, offer advice on what you would say to anyone grieving. But One thing I take away from you is that you exude kindness to everybody. Mm. And I think that that is at times difficult when you've suffered a lot of loss. I think you can find a place of peace and contentment. And I think then, you know, you can be, but you just consistently exude kindness. And I want to know, has that always been the case or have you ever felt anger? Have you uh, found a peace and then that's come off the back of that? How are you so consistently kind?
3: (laughs) I think it's gratitude. I think I'm just really grateful. I mean, we've talked about like, there's been some tricky times. I still got to know those people to an extent. And I, I'm just really grateful to be here. I think Um, there was a moment where I decided I was thinking about not being here um, when I was sort of 19 and uh, I didn't, I decided to stay and I, I think I'm just incredibly grateful. Um I'm I'm incredibly grateful for what I have. You know, I'm got a wonderful family that I've, you know, that I've got made my own family. I've got, you know, I've got a wife and two kids and got incredible friends. And I just want to try and live life to the fullest. Now whether that's because I've seen the the brittleness of life and yeah. how fleeting it can be mm-hmm. possibly Would I have been that way anyway? Maybe. Um, Who knows? But I know I'm grateful. Um, And I think that's kind of why I try and put out as much kindness and positivity and good energy that I can, because we should all be able to feel that way.
0: That's such an important message to share, because I feel like a lot of people, when they're grieving, they feel like they can't see an, an end or like a light at the end of the tunnel and it just feels very very dark i know for myself i was in i was in a really bad place after my mom died and i think what i love about this podcast and having conversations like this is hearing stories from people who have created a life for themselves that they love and that they're grateful for and that they, they, they've been in that position they've been in the darkest place mm. but they chose to carry on and now it's proof that, you know, grief and sadness can live side by side with gratitude and happiness. And, you know, I just think that is such an important takeaway this episode and every single episode ever. I think it's one of the the key points.
3: Well, I think we have to realize that grief is forever. I mean, it's not, it's not going to go away. But you can, you can learn to live with it. I said this to someone the other day and they kind of looked at me quizzically and then they kind of went, oh, okay, I may be. And I sort of <laughs> said that I, I kind of made friends with it. Like I've made, I packed, we've made a pact, Grief yeah. and I, we're going to ride this together and I'm not going to bother Grief too much and Grief's hopefully not going to bother me too much. Um... <laughs> There's a chance to heal and rebuild our lives um, after grief. There is that. Mm. And knowing that is important. But also accepting that this thing will be, it will hang around.
1: Giles, I genuinely wish when I was 18 and my mum had passed away, that Mm -hmm. in those years after, I'd almost had a mentor or someone like (laughs) you to speak the way you do. I really do because you speak so profoundly you're so clear and it, it makes sense um mm. honest to god i agree with you wholeheartedly in that you know gratefulness is born in the darkness you don't realize it at the time but i look yeah. back now at the girl that i was then and i realize going through that made me so grateful for the most simple things now just happy to be alive what would you say to anybody now who is in the thick of it
3: i think i mean i guess i just alluded to it slightly in that you're not going to get over it inverted commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, and who anyone says that to you, they can, please don't be friends with that person. <laughs> um, <laughs> um <laughs> uh, <you> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they um, can fuck off was what you were looking at. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we won't even get into manning up. Um, oh, no. yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I think,
0: can i actually stop right there just because i do just because you've said that i'm very interested to know because obviously you speak so openly about your grief and your experience on social Mm. media and on twitter do you notice that there is a much bigger gender gap in women reaching out and kind of resonating with what you're saying compared to men or have you noticed over the last couple of years that more men have kind of started becoming a bit more open with their grief.
3: Absolutely. I think there are more men being open about it.
0: Mm.
3: I get loads of DMS from people. I often open my DMS up to people if they need, if they're having a bad day or whatever Mm. now and again. And um, yeah, I would say it's almost 50 50 now really with the Mm -hmm. amount of messages I get from, from men. So I think there are guys that being more open about it and be about mental health in general um, but yeah, loss and stuff I think as well I think um, There is, there, yeah I think people are being more open about Their feelings around it And also just expressing Like the fact that They've lost someone I think mm. that sometimes is something you almost Don't want to say um, So yeah, I think I've seen a difference Certainly Brilliant. within the last sort of year or so So yeah, that's, that's encouraging yeah, I think. I
0: think, I think as a man Holding that space for men is so important. So I think, yeah, I can definitely say that you're doing a huge service because, you know, I think it's important that that space is there. But anyway, we continue. Yeah, no, I was going to say. Well, I
3: don't. Honestly, I don't think it's anything to do with me. But uh, I think, it, yeah, it's nice to be able to put stuff out there, and if if it resonates with just one person, then that's that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if if one person decides they they can have a conversation about it. And, you know, that's incredible. So, yeah.
1: And what I love about you, Giles, is you're proactive. You don't always wait for people to come to you. I know after the passing of my nana, you sent me some of your writing and it helped me so much. I, you know, I was reading it and I just felt this feeling of like weird warmth almost reading it. Um, And I like that. I like that you are so proactive because this weird thing has happened in society. And I can't speak on behalf of all cultures, obviously. But where, you know, as all three of us know, death happens it's going to happen to all of us and it happens and yet we are adamant that it isn't being spoken about that we are that we must hide this from children and i admire you for for talking to your children openly about it because and not sugarcoating it it's, it seems as though we are petrified of the inevitable
3: yeah i agree i think I don't know if it is a cultural thing. I think I think other in other countries, they're much better at dealing with it than us. Mm. Um, you know, South America, they're, they're much more open about death. You know, they mm. have days, days of the dead. You know, they celebrate mm. the dead. Whatever it is, it goes back to, maybe it goes back to the empire days or something. I don't know, like, where this is stiff upper lift nonsense. We're just not very good in this country it's at de- dealing with any kind of problems with regards to ourselves. So I think we all need to continue to keep the conversation going and 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 if social media is a good vehicle for that so i think you know if we can push stuff out there more then obviously that will help other people open up but I think I there's think just a problem in our society, in, in the UK particularly. We're fighting
0: it. it, guys. We're fighting it. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. And you're
3: doing a great it? job. and it's Find fun, a good it's, fight.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and it's
3: great. No, but this is really important. It is really important that there are shows like this that, you know, where people can come on and hopefully talk about it and, and, and people can hear and listen. And, and hopefully they'll have that conversation with someone they know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it is. It's, you're doing doing a great job guys
0: very well that i interrupted you halfway through your uh, answer to our, our question before about no
3: no that's all right
0: your advice to <laughs> sorry
3: yeah to anyone that was yeah anyone that's dealing with mm. it on a kind of basic level and we've just talked about the difficulties of reaching out to people but if you can reach out to someone you know or you know if you feel that you can talk to someone i always say that to people you know if you feel like you can you know, because you might not be in the place where you can, but if you feel like you can, reach out to anybody. Conversation is just such a brilliant thing. You know, we're having, we're having a brilliant conversation now. I love having conversations with people, mm-hmm. and I think it's it has healing qualities, talking. So that would be my first thing that I would always suggest to people. I always try and signpost. There's You know, there's lots of brilliant support services out there mm-hmm. now for people as well. Um, there's a brilliant tech service, shout 85. Um, 85- 258 which is like a discrete tech service that you talk to like crisis volunteers and stuff and that can be about any mental health stuff but mm-hmm. also um you know grief as well um if you're if you're really finding it difficult so there are amazing services you can signpost and so i would always encourage people to do that but again it's it's going back to conversations it's having conversations um so yeah that would that would be my main thing is to to get yourself in a place where You can talk about it, but that obviously getting to that place is sometimes very difficult.
1: And just finally, Giles, before we let you go, when you think about your mum and dad now, how, how do you feel? What kind of feelings does it evoke in you?
3: I think, generally speaking, I get quite a warm feeling. That's kind of the feeling I can just say when you just said it then. Yes, there were difficulties, obviously, with my dad, but, you know... I'm I'm not one for holding grudges, so I'd never feel wish him ill. I appreciate the person he could have been, and uh, think about the good bits that were there. And then my mum, watching that video that I talked to to you about earlier, I feel like quite a lot of her has rubbed off on me in some weird way, even though I only kind of knew her for five minutes. I bet you so feel yeah,
0: close, closer to her as an adult than you did as a child. You know, kind of like those kind of like parallels as you've kind of gotten older and
3: absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah, absolutely, physically and emotionally, and yeah. my outlook on life. I think, I think we would have been, we would have gotten well. So I yeah. think yeah, definitely, it's warmth. I think I feel I feel a warmth, and again that gratitude. You know, I knew them at all. Some people don't get to meet their parents at all, so. Even if it was fleeting for one of them and, well, and slightly less fleeting for the other, it's still, i still got to meet them.
1: Yeah. Well, Giles, do you know what? If your mum was how you are, then you know, she will have been an extremely yeah. warm and lovely character because honestly, I feel like we could talk to you all, I'd, I'd say all day, but it's evening <laughs> now, <deepest> as <laughs> evening. Isn't it? I feel like we could talk to you all evening. You yeah. are genuinely a wonderful human. Thank you so much for talking oh, to us on the Dead Parent Club podcast. Thank you
0: so much.
1: I've taken away from this and I'm sure Kat has mm. and I'm sure you listening will as well. For anybody who wants to read more of you, hear more of you, where can they find you, Giles?
3: I hang out on Twitter quite a lot. So you can find me on there at Eli Tender10. So it's E L I S T E N D E R 1 I know it's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you come. I mean, you can, yeah, if you want to read any of my books, you can find them in all the usual good and bad bookshops and Amazon and all that kind of malarkey. And I've got a few podcasts. You can probably find those. If you find me on Twitter, you'll find most of what I do. <laughs> you'll
1: find everything. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's all there. Yeah. thank you Giles. no thank it's you been- it's been
3: a it's been a real pleasure thanks guys i really appreciate you having me on
1: oh. it's been a joy having you thank you is, thank I you i love these conversations thank you so much for joining us on the dead parent club podcast remember you can reach out if you want to talk to us or if you've got any suggestions of any areas you'd like us to cover in the future
0: yep you can email us at hello at uk, or find us on instagram at dead parent Club podcast and we're on facebook and twitter
1: Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.